0: Welcome to the Towning Brands Podcast. I'm your host Dominic Leonardo. I have with us today Brendan Quigley. Brendan, how you doing? Good, Dom. Um, how you doing, brother? Good. Good to have you back from San Diego, man. Oh man, it's great to be here. But this cold is a little brutal. It's a little brutal. <laughs> good, good. So, uh, class of 2012 from East Providence High School graduate. Okay, a golden dozen athlete, and uh, graduated. Went out to Providence College because your bachelor's in English. Yeah, English. And then um, probably could have worked at a bunch of different, you know, writing paper companies, uh, newspapers, but you decided to go out to California, spend the next two years of your life after graduating college working with the inner-city children inside the San Diego public school system. So uh, just kind of talk to me about that transition from Providence College graduating as a senior
1: to deciding, to taking that step to go to San Diego. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, that's a great question, Dom. Uh, yeah, so probably around the second semester of my senior year in college, um, really started feeling like I had to do something, you okay. know, I uh, started, um, reading a lot, uh, kind of, just kind of observing society, observing a lot that was going on, um, not only in our community, but around the whole world. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just basically saw that there was a lot of suffering going on. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hurt going on in this world. Um, a lot of people just, just struggling really. So, so you know, knew early on that you didn't want to work the typical nine to five when you graduated? Absolutely. Absolutely, brother. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, actually, that's a great question. Um, you know, did the law in- internship. Okay. Uh, was thinking about law school for a while um, and then kind of, you know, did an internship. Didn't like it that much, you know, to be honest. Um, felt like I could do a little bit more uh, for just, you know, the community, especially kids, man. Especially mm-hmm. kids. Uh, kids, if they're, if they're struggling, man, if they're in a tough household. It's going to be really hard for them to kind of get out of that, you know, unless they have a lot of mentors, less, uh, a lot of support at the end of the day. So, um, just felt like uh, the AmeriCorps opportunity was a chance for me to kind of support kids that didn't have much support. Okay. You know? And now, what exactly was the AmeriCorps opportunity? If you yeah, so right? the AmeriCorps opportunity was, um, I worked with 32 um, at-risk students. So, the kids are at-risk because uh, bad uh, attendance issues, a lot of yeah. behavioral issues, and um, grades. Grades are struggling. So... With that, uh, we just build one on one on one relationships with the kids. Uh, we work with them in small groups, and we just get to know the kids. We yeah. get to know kind of who they are, what they come from, what they're passionate about, what their dreams are, what their goals are, and we just get to invest in the kids because uh, yeah. sometimes you know they don't get that from um, their math, science, and history teacher. Yeah. You know. Now did you learn anything from East Providence
0: high School or your time growing up in in a small city of East Providence right that that you could take with you to going to a city the size of San Diego like did anything help you
1: from this community yeah absolutely absolutely just um you know East Providence I feel like it's a it's a pretty tight-knit community yeah here. you know it seems like uh everyone knows your father everyone knows your grandfather they know who played football you know they know the score of the Super Bowl he was in the 1980s yeah so, <laughs> You know, it's kind of, it's interesting how um, it's a tight-knit community. There's uh, there's people that are very close. So out in San Diego, man, it's not like that. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's kind of doing their own thing. Uh, People, you know, they're kind of on their own agenda in a lot of ways. So I felt like just being able to bring um, intentional living, which I think East Providence kind of definitely, it definitely kind of, um, it kind of instilled that in me about just living intentionally with those around you, take an interest in them, make sure they're okay, you know, check up on people and just bringing that out to California. Um, a lot of people just feel like they—they they tell me they notice that. So I just—I really? you know, think my city for that. I think yeah. the way I grew up for that. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree, especially in the Riverside area. It's no, really no. close in a community <laughs> where
0: I mean, you'll be out anywhere, you'll run into your friends, parents, and exactly. stuff. So you yeah. feel like people are always got their eyes on you. Right, <laughs> right, right. right. Yeah. So now, out in San Diego, with the uh, with the AmeriCorps, you're working in which age group of students were you working with who were at risk? And yeah. what
1: was the day to day like working with those students? For sure. Um, so it was middle school students all right um so i probably had about 25 boys about seven girls okay. uh you know sixth through eighth grade In the day-to-day um we do a lot of life skill lessons um a lot of just support in the sense of we'll go over what a healthy relationship is we do um i have the kids doing a lot mm-hmm. of uh i love problem solving i think yeah. everyone kind of knows right from wrong so i would have the kids i would give the kids a scenario you know such as you know johnny's brother is um is dealing drugs to put food mm-hmm. on the table, should Johnny tell on his brother or should he let his brother continue what he's doing? So these kind of open-ended questions yeah. where the kids really have to take a look at it really makes them think, man, mm-hmm. you know, because there's no easy answer in a yeah, question oh like gosh. that. You know, it's, okay, dr- not selling, uh, selling drugs is illegal, obviously, but if you're doing that to put food on the table, you know, it, it puts this, it kind of creates it's a moral dilemma. dilemma yeah. yeah, that's difficult brother. for the middle schooler to try to... Exactly, degree. exactly. <laughs> yeah, so the kids would grapple with it. They'd wrestle with it. Um... But I felt like, yeah, we always had great conversations, great discussions, Um, and we did, yeah, just a lot of life skill type Mm -hmm. stuff, man, you know, things that I feel like um, our public schools could definitely benefit from teaching our kids. I don't think the kids get enough of that. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty sweet. And now, how receptive uh, to you were they? Did they? Wow. Uh, you, know, you came in, you're obviously from Rhode Island, but if they think you had an accent or something? Were they no, buying the no, no, no. you know, life skills you were oh, trying man, to Oh, the, man, the looks I got on that first day were crazy. And <laughs> I, you know, man, I got the long California hair right now. But at the time, man, I had the military buzz cut and the kids were like, man, who is this dude? You know? <laughs> yeah. So it took the kids, man, a while to really um, open up. Uh, you know, we just were consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a partner at the school as well. She had her own caseload. So we would be consistent in our approach with the kids. Hey, our door is always open. Come yep. through during lunch. You know, come through before school. Okay. And um, just we're really consistent in our approach. And then probably after three or four months, the kids come to you with everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you got to feel like you got to start putting some boundaries up there because yeah. it becomes such, such, a, nice. uh, such a powerful relationship. Um, the kids, you know, they rely on you in a lot of different ways. So, um, yeah, it took about three or four months. But once the relationship was there, it was strong, man. You know, Good. it pretty really strong. And now, how did you gain the skills to be able to teach this, uh,
0: these lessons to these kids? Because I know you had some prior experience. We coached a basketball team at the East right. Recreation Center together. Right. So we dealt with some kids there. Um, how did you? How did, were you able to teach
1: these kids to jump into this role? Did you have experience prior to this to be able to help the kids? That's a great question now. So um, the biggest thing for me, I think, was uh, my college education in right. a lot of ways. And it's funny because AmeriCorps you need to have a bachelor's degree, okay. or you uh, you can't get into the program. And, you know, I'm a, I am was an English major, mm-hmm. and I'm doing a, you know, this is primarily sociological work, very um, education-driven. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I took some of those classes in college. I took an urban education class. Yeah. I took a sociology class. Um, took a lot of these courses, did a lot of reading on my own, which kind of just talks about... Uh, you know, a human being wants to be understood. Yeah. They want to feel appreciated. They want to feel a sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, man, anyone could really do that job if you understand that. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not rocket science by any means. Um, you don't need extensive training. You just got to kind of understand those simple mm-hmm. things, you know. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. You read a lot about the human experience. Oh, I mean, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, dude. You know, fascinated by
1: the human condition. You <laughs> know, what makes us tick, dude, right? Yeah. What brings us joy? What brings us sorrow? And kind of just how those elements combat against each other, right? And and everyone's alive. Yeah. You know, we just kind of acknowledge it, and we work, work together towards yeah. something, you know. Now, were there any
0: uh, any things that really stood out to you that were unexpected? So you probably had a lot of high expectations going out to San Diego, oh, yeah. helping the kids oh, out yeah. there. Um, was there anything different or that surprised you in, in your totally. role in the AmeriCorps totally. program? Oh, man. Were you able to be as effective as you
1: wanted to be? <laughs> That's a great question, Dom. So, you had a lot of passion going into the business. Right, right. Oh, man. So when I first went out there, I'm thinking man, I'm fired up. Right? Yeah. You know, I'm fired up. I'm going to change these kids' lives. You know, these kids are all going to end up graduating from Brown. You know, <laughs> yeah. they're go- they're going to be our next... They're going to be sitting on the next Supreme Court. Yeah. You know, like, fired up. And I was quickly humbled, man. I was quickly humbled. And it was a lot, man. I had to face myself in a lot of ways. I was yeah. thinking that I could change people, bro. And I understood that you can't change people. You know, you can influence people. And you can, uh, you can serve them. But there's no such thing as another human being changing someone. Mm-hmm. Oh, it just doesn't happen. So... With academics, like if my kids were getting, if I'm thinking of one guy in particular, he he wasn't turning anything, you know. Mm-hmm. But by the end of the year, he was getting sixty fives. Yeah. So with that, it's a it's. A, it's a, I feel like we made so much progress, you know. Um, with behavioral things, I had one guy got suspended seven times in October. Then he didn't get suspended from January to June. So little things like that. Mm-hmm. I got really fired up on so I feel like I had to tailor my expectations okay. and kind of readjust to um once I got in that. You know, college makes you idealistic. Yeah. But until you're out there, until you're um in the trenches, so to speak, uh, you can't you're gonna have those expectations tailored a little bit. Yeah. you know. So it sounds like you learned a lot about yourself in the process. Totally, bro. Yeah, yeah I totally learned a lot about just man. Don't you know, people are trying their best at the end of the day and um just coming down to their level, uh, so to speak, and whatever that is they're doing, um, all aspects of society, you know, someone that's bagging our groceries, someone that's pumping our gas, just coming down to their level for a minute, you Mm -hmm. know, just being intentional about it, coming down to their level, and just checking in with them, you know, understanding who they are. Um, I think that's the number one thing I learned throughout all of this. Amazing. Now, how different was
0: the experience for a middle schooler in uh, Oceanside, California, uh, different than your experience in middle school at Riverside Middle School, and mm-hmm. then just the public school systems in general. How how do they kind of
1: compare yeah. and contrast with the San Diego public schools and East Providence public schools? Yeah, Oof, that's a great question. So one thing that re- really bothered me was out in California, um, if you fail four classes, you get passed on to the next grade. Really? And I found that fascinating because oh. yeah, I remember um, with us, you know, if you failed two classes, it was, yeah. it was either you're staying back or going to summer school. Yeah. And a lot of kids would, a lot of kids that are, um, that tend to be high risk tend to, you know, they tend to gravitate towards communal things like sports, right? Mm-hmm. So, and we we would have by RMS, if you fail two classes, you can't play basketball. And I know that kind of saved a lot of kids. Yeah. You know, that motivated a lot of kids, man. All right, I got to pass these classes yeah, to play exactly. ball. Out in California, there's none of that, man. And really? there's less motivation to succeed academically. Okay. And um, that was number one concern I had. And also just... Learn a lot about the kids, man. I know, like, when we were in middle school, we were those kids. Yeah. So now being older and looking back at those kids, I'm like, wow, kids aren't reading anymore. <laughs> kids are not reading anymore. <laughs> I, um, we, we, we tried to start a book club. We got about six kids. Um, <laughs> got a couple of kids to read The Outsiders, but then after that, kids wanted to go play video games, you know? And, um. Probably hit the beach with that weather. <laughs> right, yeah. right. You get the weather uh, out there. The beach is five minutes from the school, so. It seemed like that's where the kids um, would gravitate to, towards more. So I feel like there's more of an emphasis on just education as an intellectual um, pursuit out here in Rhode Island as it is out there. Right. Oh, that's a, a good lot idea. more, man, a lot more. Um, and just, yeah.
0: Awesome. So now... If you were uh, a public policy maker, what are some different things that you would you would probably try to bring to the San Diego public schools? I guess that, mm. that really stuck out with you. That I know mm. it's it's tough because you're you're there helping, but you're Absolutely. not obviously the one at the top driving the policy on the
1: education. Absolutely, um, I sat in at a lot of. We have these weekly meetings mm-hmm. where we where we would meet with the principal, um, the vice principal, and uh, like the dean and um, school psychologists and uh the counselors and stuff and we'd always have these type of conversations Ooh. you know and they would ask for our output which was sweet to be part of that table and i just kind of tell them um the way education set up right now is uh it seems like we're putting a lot of pressure on these kids more than anything else is we're putting pressure on these kids to become specialized in something mm-hmm. and then uh, just dive totally into that field and make a lot of money and my main thing would just be as as educators i think the most important thing um you know we're we're, we're on this planet for mm-hmm. an ind- indeterminate amount of years yeah. and we should kind of know how to be a human being we should know what it means to be human and i don't think our public schools are doing that today yeah. um enough you know i think some classes will do it obviously great educators will bring that to the equation yes. but as a whole i think we need to stop focusing on some of the other things performance based stuff and focus more on what does it mean to be human? Um, you're gonna go through depression you're gonna go through great times of joy um, you're gonna go through death in your family like we're not educating kids about this and that's fascinating to me yeah. because if they're not getting it at home where are they gonna get that yeah. It's gonna be very hard for a 10 year old kid to start educating himself on depression yeah if he's not hearing it from. Uh, his parents or anything else. So I think schools need to start bringing more of that social-emotional approach to the table.
0: Absolutely. Interesting. So do you have any regrets about doing the AmeriCorps program instead of getting the
1: kind of more traditional job out of college? No regrets, bro. Otherwise. No regrets. You know, it was challenging, man. Oh, man, it was challenging. You know, a lot of ups and downs with that job. Um, A lot of frustration mm-hmm. where you're just seeing the way things are run. You're seeing your kids, the kids that you invest in, you're spending, you know, um yeah, oh, yeah. So 15 remember. hours a week with you know bro you spend these hours with the kids and you see the teacher oh this one yeah he's not getting any better you're like whoa you know i'm, mm-hmm. see, I'm seeing something turning here so um yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah for you and then also while you've been on sandy i know you were
0: interested in writing before but uh since you've been out there i noticed you've been writing a lot more and you started a blog can you
1: kind of talk to me about how you started the blog and kind of what you've been writing. Totally, totally. So when I was in college, man, I took a creative writing poetry class mm-hmm. at eighteen. Um, really like that class. Professor Alowski. Uh <laughs> man, she's incredible. And um started getting into it then, noticed that I could kind of describe how I was feeling through words and I could put it in, in such a way where I was like, That's pretty beautiful. And I wonder if anyone else think it's beautiful. <laughs> and um Kind of started sending it to some people. I said, "Hey, this is pretty good, man. You might have a little talent there." So yeah, just lately, um, just finally read a bunch of articles on all these great writers. When did that? You know, when did they shift? When did writing become more than a hobby to them? When did it become sort of a lifestyle and something that they said, "No, I'm gonna write. That's yeah. what I'm gonna do." And I felt like I've kind of had that switch go off about four months ago, and started the blog shortly after, and just been trying to pump out <laughs> as much content as possible. Um, and just getting the support from everyone has been incredible and what's the name of the blog so people can it's apply? um brendanmquigley.wordpress.com okay awesome so check it out um, oh, yeah, I try can. to write on a variety of things um God has been huge for me he's changed my life in so many ways so I really like to honor him through my prose um and just kind of talk about what it means to be a human uh what it means to feel certain things certain emotions and you know just being a it's a blessing to participate in this thing we call life you know <laughs> none of us um None of us really chose to be here. We happened. We were put on this earth, and to be a part of that is—it's a miracle. It's a blessing. So it's—it's it's incredible. Were some of your students? Were you able
0: to instill that fire for poetry with the students? Because I know we weren't reading poetry when we were in middle school. Right, we
1: were right. assigned <laughs> it, but I don't know. We had the passion that you developed later on. Absolutely, man. So, um, some of the kids were into. I remember got a couple of kids poetry books. Yeah. One guy, he was like Romeo, man. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, he was. Killing it with the girls, so I'm like, oh, I meant to, dude. I got a couple love poems for you. <laughs> he was reading. them. He was all pumped up. So I tried to channel my passions based on what the kids are yeah. passionate about. You know, I think as educators, we have to swallow our pride in a lot of ways and just really go in and observe these kids, man. Mm-hmm. Observe these kids and see, wait, what, what is the what is the prototypical fourteen year old kid really desiring right now? You know and. Talk to these kids and find out and then that's how we educate. You know, we don't educate by simply saying, hey man, I'm into poetry, I'm gonna throw it on you, right? So some of the kids, a lot of kids went into it, bro, but there was about five or six kids who were, and we talk about it. One guy um probably the student I was the closest with happened to be into writing. Mm -hmm. He's already a better writer than I am. This kid's incredible. Um, and he ended up delivering the eighth grade speech Mm -hmm. and it was just powerful, man. You know, it was super powerful. And, um, to, you know, we went back and forth, I'd show him some writings, he'd show me his, I'd proofread and that relationship was incredible, you know? So to be able to teach kids how to express themselves, I think would be, that'd be probably my favorite thing to do, you know? Awesome. Now, do you have any
0: advice for the the kid graduating high school uh, from East Providence High School, right? They're going to be they're going to be graduating, they probably, what, halfway through the school year now, they're going to be mm-hmm. graduating. What's your advice for that East Providence High School senior mm-hmm. graduating high school looking for the next step in their life? Wow,
1: that's a great question. You've worked a lot with the students. Yeah, really. yeah, I love this question. I think that's super important. Every kid needs to ask that. <laughs> you know, every kid needs to come to a point in their life where they, that's beautiful. Yeah, I think the problem is today, kids aren't asking themselves that question. It's, no, you know, I'm feeling this pressure from mom and dad and, you know, everyone in the family. They told me I was going to be a doctor, so yeah. that's what I'm doing. If, he wa- if, he's, if he's self-examined, if he's asked himself those questions and he wants to um, pursue biology and ultimately mm-hmm. med school. So, like, that's beautiful. Like, that's incredible. But I think every kid needs to ask those questions, Dom. And I think that's the best advice I give them is slow down, mm-hmm. breathe a little bit in this fast-paced, dizzying mm-hmm. world and ask yourself, what is it I'm passionate about? And if you don't know, that's okay. But what is it that brings me joy? What do I get fired up to do? Find that out. Once you find that out, you're you're in, you're in incredible shape. You know, you're gonna you end up going to school with something you love to do, and then you're learning from experts, which is only gonna fuel your fire more. It's gonna get you more passionate, and then you go out and do what you want to do. And when people are doing what they want to do, um, and helping others at it, I think we can make this world a little bit, you know, a little bit of a better place. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Well, it's good to hear some success stories of uh, fellow townie, townie,